Hello everyone, um, back again with another episode. This one is going to be breaking down UFC 251. Glad I waited for the breakdown. Glad I didn't do any breakdown yet. I mean, given with all this COVID-19, um, the last time I was about to do a breakdown, the date for a UFC event got canceled and pushed back. Or, you know, so definitely glad I waited. Um... Wasn't going to buy this fight, honestly. I was not going to buy this at all. I was going to skip this main event and then watch one of the fights for free. But seeing as the main event changed, it's the one that I've been wanting to see for a while now. That I kind of swore up and down to everybody and talked about it all everywhere. That they would never, the UFC wouldn't make this fight happen unless they, you know, were strong-armed. Well, <laughs> turned out they did, you know. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. Um... Seeing as the UFC likes money, um, they wanted to protect their money, and I always said Jorge Masvidal is a bad fight. He he is, he's a, he's a boogeyman. You know he's a bad fight for anybody in the division, anybody at lightweight or welterweight. But um, I'm gonna break this fight down from most of the main event fights. Uh, I'm gonna skip Paige Van Zant. You know her fight. I haven't watched her fight in a while. Um, her other opponent, I think I watched fight Mackenzie Dern. I'm going to skip that fight. I'm going to just jump right into the pretty much the big major fights that are going <laughs> to, I mean, <laughs> that I'm pretty sure everyone and their mother is going to tune in for. Um, first fight that I want to cover is Jose Aldo versus Peter Yan. Now, <laughs> I had an argument with my friend Jesse Velasquez, who's a great fighter. Um, you should actually see him fight. His name is Jesse Velasquez. He's on Facebook. Um, he's also on Instagram. Um, uh, he's also, you can find his fights on YouTube. Great fighter. I would give a shout out to him and any anybody who wants to sponsor a fighter, sponsor that guy. He's the future. Um, but me and him had a back and forth. And... Excuse me. And one of the things that he kind of reiterated was why didn't Aljamain Sterling get the title shot? Because Aljamain Sterling has been on a win streak. He's beaten fresh contenders. He should be in the he, he should be getting the title shot. And 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 I get what he's saying. I absolutely get what he's saying and I understand that. But the thing that I keep Re what I kept reiterating to him, what I kept telling him was at the end of the day, performance matters performance is number one whenever you want to look at who's the pound for pound best you know if, if you're ever trying to look at who's the pound for pound best or who's worthy of a title shot performance is the number one deciding factor so if you're undefeated let's say you're 25 and 0 and all your performances have been close fights you know well, then, obviously, you're probably never going to get a title shot unless you absolutely, unless you're in an absolute necessary position, you know, unless it's super necessary to have you in the title shot, you know, unless there's no one else for, you know, the champ to face. If your performances are stellar, and the UFC is very, very big on performance, that is, that is the number one thing. UFC is very, very big on performance, you know, that, that is all else. It's two things, the celebrity and performance. Peter Yan's performances did a lot better, were more noticeable than Aljamain Sterling's win streak. The thing with Aljamain Sterling is, is when I saw his performances, his performances were always good, but they weren't, it wasn't like a one-sided affair, except for recently when he fought Corey Sanhagen. But, um, 
which was a great fight. So, but that is why Peter Young got the title shot. It wasn't because of the fact that he beat Uriah Faber. It was because of the fact that his performance against Uriah Faber was a lot better than Aljamain Sterling's performance. Now, if Aljamain, now if Aljamain Sterling came out and beat, you know, his last opponent, the way he beat Cody San, Cor I mean, um, what is it, Corey Sanhagen, or I believe I'm pronouncing his name right, um, you know, then we'd be, it'd be a completely different story, you know, Aljamain Sterling would be getting the title shot right now, but because he didn't have that standout performance, you know, against his last support um, against his last opponent before Corey Sanhagen um the UFC passed him by and went to Peter Yan I mean Peter Yan beat a guy he had a outstanding performance against a guy who had big celebrity points who was who had exactly like I said big celebrity points and of course like I said it was against your Uriah favor that was past his prime I wouldn't be proud of that but hey it was against the it was against a fighter who's who's got celebrity um who has that name value, and it was an outstanding performance. The UFC is looking at that. They're looking at the celebrity and the performance. The fact that you beat a, a celebrity name in Uriah Faber and had an outstanding performance against him is all the UFC needs to get a title shot. This is kind of, you know, same thing with Conor McGregor. If you look at Conor McGregor, the reason why he got the opportunities he got was because not only did he have these stellar performances, but he beat guys who had this name value where it was like, and where it was like, this guy hasn't put together a strong enough win streak to really warrant for a title shot. And he's getting these fights like right away. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, that's what it is. So that's why Peter Yon got the shot. Jose Aldo, he shouldn't be getting the title shot either. That's another thing that people seem to gloss over is Jose Aldo shouldn't be getting the title shot either. Jose Aldo should be should be honestly working his way up. He's coming off of a loss and getting a title shot. Does it bother me? No, not really, because there's been plenty of fighters who have come off of losses and gotten title shots. Yo Romero, for example. Um uh, Conor McGregor, for example, I mean, came coming off a loss, I mean, got stripped from the title, was out for nearly, what, two years, in my opinion, should not have gotten the title shot, I understand that the UFC wanted to make money, and that was a big fight to make, but on a pure standpoint, they should have made Conor work his way back up, he was gone for two years, no, gone for two years, there was no reason for him, um, Dominic Cruz got the title shot after after a loss, not fighting for years. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. But um, I hadn't got the title shot in years. So there's a, plenty of fighters who are coming off of losses who have gotten title shots. I mean, plenty of fighters. Um, this isn't the first time, and it definitely won't be the last. I mean, hell. Uh, <laughs> Holly Holm got a title shot after coming off of a loss. It... it you know, Alexander Gustin, the list, the list goes on and on, I mean, the list goes on and on, and this isn't in the UFC, this is in other, or UFC, this is in other organizations too, so, 
you know, I've kind of gotten used to it. I mean, it happens in boxing all the time. There's plenty of fighters who are coming off of losses who get title shots and they fight these big money fights and you're sitting there like, what the fuck? You, like, why are you even in this fight? You, 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 you lost. You're coming off of a loss. So it, it, it's just, that's just the business side of things and there's really nothing we can do about it. Um, so neither guy really deserves a shot at the title. One's coming off of a loss. The other one, I mean, he's beaten, what, two solid contenders, I would say, in Jimmy Rivera, and then he beat somebody else who was on the who was on the come up. He beat big names, but as we said before, name title doesn't account for skill, as I mentioned in the last episode of my podcast. So you know, John Dotson, you know, John, out of all of them, John Dotson was probably this guy that still, despite, you know, despite, you know, losing twice to DJ and coming off of a loss to Lineker was still looking good at 135. You know, he was still showing signs that he can still hold his own in division, you know, and that's about it. Everybody else, I mean, you know, everybody else is kind of, it's one of those things where you're just like, uh, with the, it's kind of just like, well, I mean, okay, he beat that guy, I mean, the only, like, legitimate contender he beat was Jimmy Rivera, you know, so, just, I mean, so, I don't really see how he should have gotten the title shot, but, hey, you know, like I said, this is the UFC, um, the thing with, the thing with Jose Aldo, and, I say Jose because that's how it's pronounced. It's not Jose. Um, but the thing with Jose Aldo is Jose Aldo was one of those guys who dominated the game for years. He was the 145-pound champ of WEC. He was the 145-pound champ of the UFC. He was starching guys in the UFC, just destroying everybody. Um, coming in, having these hard, tough fights, you know, against Chad Mendez, against Korean Zombie, against Frankie Edgar, you know, he had a hard fight against Mark Hominick, you know, um, you know, and of course there were some fights that were very one-sided, like his first fight with Chad Mendez, um, his fights and some of his fights in WEC, you know, but the thing is though, it's, at, at some point in time, all those wars catch up to you, all those wars start to, you know, they, they, they start to creep up on you. And when you're Jose Aldo and you've gone through the wars and the hard fights that he's gone to, gone through. And I mean, this guy, he, he fights hard and I'm pretty sure he trains even harder, you know, that catches up with you at some point in time. He's only 33. Apparently he's barely in his thirties. So he's not old, like in terms of age, but he's old in terms of mileage, the guy has been through a lot of hard fights, you know, um, this was the same thing with, uh, Minotaro Noguera, and his brother, Rodrigo Noguera, was, these guys, they were barely in their 30s, but they looked like they were well in their 40s, you know, because, or well in their mid-40s, probably getting into their 50s, because these guys went through so many wars, they had these hard fights, these freaking crazy brawls, I mean, the Bob Sapp fight, I mean, that, that fight could have ended Noguera's career right from the bat, I mean, 
I mean, if you don't believe me, like, I mean, if you don't believe me, watch that fight. I would encourage you, if you don't know who that is, type in Minotaro Noguera versus Bob Sapp. And I'm telling you, man, you'll, you'll see what I mean by why this guy probably shouldn't even be alive right now. I mean, because the slams that he got hit with were slams that could have ended a career. And he went through these wars. And then in the UFC, he went through more wars. And... The guy was barely in his 30s. And that's kind of the same thing with Jose Aldo. Was Jose Aldo went through these hard fights, these hard wars. And after a while, those fights catch up to you. Those wars catch up to you. Especially if you know you're somebody, especially if you're going hard in the paint in the gym every day. You're not training, you know, properly to get yourself at the pro to peak at the right time. And you know, I don't know his training. You know, his training had doesn't he doesn't really show much of his training or really talk about it from what I from what I've seen or heard. So but from what it looks like, the guy goes hard in the paint every time and when you had the wars that he's had that catches up to you you know when you look at his fight with chad mendez that second fight that was a war that takes that takes mileage out of your career and that was the first thing i said was that takes mileage out of your career that just all i could think about when i saw that chad mendez fight was how many more just the, the, how many more rounds does he have left in him a fight like that that takes mileage out of your career that takes that takes a couple that takes years off of your career and certainly it did and when you also think of the fact that the weight cut that he had he had a pretty hard he had a hard time cutting to 145 i mean it it was no secret that jose aldo had problems cutting to 145 and you know, he had problems with his gas tank because of that weight cut, because he was so explosive and he would go hard in the paint every time and he would make that hard weight cut and which would make things matters even worse. You know, he would slow down in those rounds and he in those later rounds, it would show. And as I said before, whether you're losing weight or gaining weight, it always affects your cardio. And, you know, and that's what we always saw with Jose Aldo. And then when you add on to the wars that he went through, the constant shots that he was taking, and you have to think his body is still recovering from the weight cut that he's gone through. He's still recovering from that weight cut. It's not like his body's fully recovered. He's still recovering. It takes a while to recover from a weight cut. And he's still recovering. And and then he's taking hard shots from the likes of like Chad Mendez or shots from like, you know, Max Holloway. It's just that takes that takes years off your career. That takes the mileage out of it. Uh, you know that takes mileage. You know that that takes. You know you're you're not gonna be fighting the same again as time goes on. Doesn't matter what age you are. I'm back. So um, the wars that he's gone through. You know that catches up to you and the constant weight cutting. You know that makes you very very fragile so you have to think whatever weight he was cutting to get to 145 you got to think that weight cut has got to be even much more harder to get to 135 and i mean everybody was saying he looked good personally i thought he looked sucked in i mean the thing was his his fight with marlon marias 
you know, Marlon didn't even look like he threw the kick that even hard, and it rocked him, and that easily, and all I could think to myself was, if this is, if this is, if this is how easily he's going to get touched, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold his own, uh, hold his own against the best of the division, I mean, he's going to have to play a completely different game, <coughs> Especially if you're going into a weight class where you know you're going to be even just even more compromised, way more compromised, and that's one thing I noticed. Another thing with Jose Aldo is he's always had a hard time pacing himself. You know, um, he's had a hard time pacing himself. His boxing hands wise isn't the best. He's got great power, but it's not the best. Another thing is too is. He, like I said, he has to be more strategic, and he has to use that veteran experience to win the fight if he wants to become the double champ. He cannot sit here and think that he's going to do what he used to do, which was blast guys from the gate. You know, obviously, that didn't work anymore. Didn't work at 145. Definitely didn't. Definitely not going to work against the elite of 135. I mean, you know, he got away with it in certain fights. You know, he got away with it in certain fights against fighters who didn't really have you know that type of great wealth of experience you know fighters who were known for you know going known for winning fights through attrition not really winning fights through skill you know but when he faced the elite of the division you know that just blasting guys from the gate the way he would overwhelm guys the way he would do it that didn't work anymore you know especially now because the wars have caught up to you. The the battles have caught up. You're more fragile now from the weight cut than ever. You're gonna have to be a lot smarter. You know, you're gonna you know, I get it, he's still in his early thirties, but you know, the mileage that he's taken on his career is has been showing, in my opinion. And for him, he has to focus on being the smarter fighter. He can't be the tougher fighter. Peter Yan has just got to go out there and just be the the younger, you know, younger monster. The big young monster looking to take out the old lion. You know, that's what he's got to do. I mean, and that's all that that's all there is to it. Um. Peter Yan's hands, I would say, are better. He is a little bigger, in my opinion. But if there's one thing that he has, that if there's one flaw that he has, that I noticed in the Uriah Faber fight, was he is susceptible to leg kicks. There was points in the fight where Uriah Faber hit him with leg kicks that was disrupting his base and keeping him from throwing combinations. Now, of course, Uriah Faber... He's not known for being technically sound. He's known for trying to be the better athlete. Although, at one period of time in his career, was known for low kicks. And he stopped throwing low kicks after a while. If I were him, this would be a perfect time to start throwing low kicks. Especially to a guy in his last fight showed that he is susceptible to low kicks. You know, and Aldo's got the power to make those low kicks really sting. So that's something to really think about. Also, you know, 
he should really try thinking about taking fights to the ground, using takedowns, or using the takedowns to set up his strikes. The thing is, is Jose Aldo has to, like I said, has to be the smarter fighter if he wants to win this fight. He can't just go in there and just blast guys right from the gate like he used to. Those days are over. Those days are numbered. You know, they ended right when Connor knocked him out, and they continued, you know, they they continued, you know, his fights with Max Holloway, you know, his fights with Volkanovski, the days when he would overwhelm you with just power shots after power shots and just, just, just blast you from the game. Those days are over. You know, the days of just, you know, being bigger, stronger, faster are over. If you want to fight the elite, if you want to stay at the elite, it's not about being bigger, stronger, faster. It's about being better. And that's kind of the problem with a lot of these guys who are used to being the bigger, stronger, faster guys. They get so used to that that they don't know how to be better. They don't know how to rely on the skill. Um, they don't know how to be smarter. And for Aldo, he has to be smarter. You know, the reason why he lost that fight against Marlon Marias was because the guy was – he was more focused on winning the rounds instead of winning the fight. That's what I pointed out from the get-go. If he for, – for Jose Aldo, if he really wanted to win that fight, he – he was going to have to really push the pace on Marlon. He was going to have to really stick it to Marlon. Especially in that third round, he was going to have to dominate. He couldn't just leave it up to chance and allow Marlon to come back, which is what he did. you know. And that's what I'm saying is he needs to be the smarter fighter because Aldo wasn't being a smarter fighter in that fight. I still think Aldo won the fight, but... At the end of the day, I knew at the end of the day, I knew the judges weren't going to give it to him because he was letting Marlon Marias have opportunities. He kept giving Marlon Marias chances. You can't give your opponent chances like that. Not in a fight, not in a fight that's so close as it was. So, you know, for Peter Jan, he's got to be the he's just got to be that young bull. He's got to just March, you know, Aldo down, start putting him with those combinations that he does, and just, he's got to just overwhelm him, he's got to use that, that youth on him the way that Aldo would, <coughs> excuse me, but he's got to use that, he's got to be that just big young bull that's just overwhelming his opponent the way, you know, Aldo used to do back in his heyday, so it's really coming down to that, I mean, you, it's really coming down to that. So, I mean, you know, it'll be an interesting fight. You know, it'll be a very interesting fight. You know, very interesting, you know, to see how it goes. You know, um, that's a very curious fight to me. Whoever wins this, you know, if Peter Jan wins this, he becomes a Bantamweight champion. Um, if Aldo's win this, he becomes a two-division champion. And if he goes on another title reign of dominance like he did at 145 then there's no doubt not only is he the greatest one of the greatest 145 pounders of all time but you have to say he's one of the greatest pound for pound fighters of all time to dominate two divisions is to you know to win two belts is one thing but to dominate both those divisions is another and um there's not a lot of people who are able to you know, win titles and defend those titles consecutively like that in two separate weight classes. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, Aldo, he's got to be the, he's got to be the smarter fighter. Peter Yan, he's got to be the tougher fighter. He's got to just put that, just, he's just got to be that young lion, putting, putting that, putting that, you know, uh, 
Jose Aldo, he's got to be the the smarter fighter. Peter Yan has got to be the tougher fighter. Um, old guard versus new guard. That's pretty much the sums up this fight. So it'll be interesting. You know, can Aldo be that smarter fighter? I don't know because he's been so used to just being bigger, stronger, faster, and hitting harder that it's hard to, you know, break out of that, you know. And you're going up against a guy like Peter Yan who's on the come up. Well, mm, I don't know about that, but you never know. I mean, you, you never know. So, um, definitely an interesting fight. Uh, <laughs> Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade. Um, I was just watching this fight earlier, you know, before, before I, you know, turned the TV off. Um, I watched it like three times, three or four times. People are giving Rose way too much credit, okay? They're not giving, you know, Jessica Andrade the credit that she deserves. Way too much credit. I mean... Jessica Andrade, yes, Jessica Andrade got hurt, yes, Rose tagged her with some good shots, but just because, you know, just because, just because one guy is able to hit the other, just because they were able, doesn't mean that that person who's getting those shots off is winning, you know, just because, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that they're winning, I mean, it isn't over till it's over, you know, until, uh, I've always said before, until that ref says, until that ref steps between you, and says fight's over, the fight isn't over, you know, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you're saying, I don't care, you know, I don't care what you believe in when it comes to fighting or anything, it isn't over, until the ref steps in and says it's over. Until somebody steps in and says fight is over, the fight's not over. And a lot of people kept saying Rose was winning the fight. That's not what I saw. Okay, what I saw was Jessica Andrade mounting tons of pressure on Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas using explosive movements that were slowing her down. Jessica Andrade, when she got on the inside, hit Rose with power shots to the legs, to the body. She wasn't just hitting her. She wasn't just throwing shots to the head. She was throwing shots to the body. A lot of people, a lot of those body shots, people, and it's it kind of baffling to me. You know, it's funny how everybody loves to count leg kicks and head shots, but no one really tries to count count shots to the body. No one really tries to look at shots to the body. They people seem to forget the effectiveness of it, and. Jessica Andrade, you know, she's a powerhouse. She's a tank. And when she hits you with those hard shots, whether it's to the head, to the body, to the legs, you're going to feel it, okay? You're, you're going to, you know, it's going to make you go, oh, shit. And that's what, you know, happened to Rose was Jessica Andrade came in there, pushed the pace, kept pushing the action, ripping into Rose with hard leg kicks, hard body shots every time she got on the inside. She wasn't just, she wasn't head hunting. That was one of the things that really impressed me about Jessica Andrade was she wasn't head hunting. She would throw the overhand, but then immediately throwing the overhand, she'd start ripping to the body. Or she would start from the body and then work her way up to the head. And, you know, some people... And to some people, especially casuals or normies, they'll sit there and they'll think, you know, oh, well, Jessica Andrade's being ineffective. Rose is being more effective because Rose is landing shots to the head. Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean, 
<laughs> you winning the fight, you know, just because, you know, you're letting headshots, more headshots than me doesn't mean you're winning, I mean, there's, there's other ways to stop a fight, you know, if, but if you look closely, and like I said, and if you look closely, you can see that, Jessica Andrade hit her with some good body shots, hit her with some good low kicks, she kept mounting the pressure, and toward that first round, when the first round ended, going into the second, I saw Rose slowing down considerably, Rose began to slow down, she began to explode from the corner, the worst thing you can do, when you're fighting somebody who puts a lot of pressure, like a Jessica Andrade, is you explosive movements. You never want to use explosive movements against a fighter like Jessica Andrade, who's super powerful and just this constant press in the action. You never want to do that, you know, because the more you explode, the more tired you're going to get coming into the fight. And that's the worst thing you can be is tired. And you've got this tiny tank known as Jessica Andrade pressing you up against the fence, slamming you to the ground. I mean, and that's what Jessica Andrade did. She kept pressing forward. She grabbed Rose. She slammed her to the ground, which no doubt had to have, you know, affected her. You can you can tell it had to have affected her. But it was just, you know, you, the pressure just kept mounting. And the thing with Rose is, Rose is the type of fighter. She needs a moment to set. She needs a moment to set things up. If you're constantly pressuring her, constantly keeping her from setting things up, it it, it gets frustrating for her. It makes it hard for her to get an offense going. You know, she starts to kind of, she, she kind of, what she likes to do, she'll just explode with stuff. She won't try to set things up. She'll just explode. And that's kind of what she did, you know, in the fight. She was landing good, clean shots. Don't get me wrong. She landed some really good, clean shots. But to fight a fighter like Jessica Andrade is, you unless you have considerable one-punch knockout power, which Rose doesn't. Rose doesn't have that explosive knockout power like a Zhang Wei Li, you know. You have to utilize high volume, you know, the way Joanna Zhang did to Jessica Andrade in their fight. It's high volume, constantly moving your feet, constantly switching, switching different directions, pumping that jab, high volume, like a Muhammad Ali, just pop, pop, pop. You don't need to hurt him, you just need to touch him. Just, just, you don't need to hurt him, you just need to touch him. Just keep scoring, keep scoring, you know, wear him down, and that's about it. Don't try to hit him with anything heavy, because they're just going to power through it. That, that's what they're going to do. They're just going to power through it, they're going to knock you off balance, they're going to get you tired, or they're going to hit you with something hard that's going to totally shake your foundations. You know, and that's what happened considerably. Another, you know, considerably, you know, with, you know, with Rose and Jessica Andrade. Another thing is, too, is... There's a huge difference between a striking clinch and a grappling clinch. You know, a grappling clinch, the hand placement, the positioning of their of your head and body is a lot different when you're utilizing a striking clinch, you know, because the striking, you know, because you're positioning yourself to throw strikes, you know, and the thing is, Jessica Andrade utilizes a grappling clinch, she doesn't utilize a striking clinch, you know, her, her clinch game is based toward grappling, she's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and she's extremely strong, and that's the worst combination, is when you have somebody who's technical, at the same time, they have strength, 
behind the technique as well. That is a deadly combination. That's somebody you don't want to clinch up with. And the thing with Rose was like so many fighters who have these grappling backgrounds or these grappling bases like Rose does, they make the mistake of clinching up with Jessica Andrade. And it cost her the fight. Instead of using her grappling for an offensive, she should have used her grappling for the defensive. She should have used her grappling the same way a wrestler uses his wrestling to keep it on the feet against a jiu-jitsu guy. Use your clinch work to keep it out of the clinch. The same way Joanna used, you know, her clinch game to keep, you know, Jessica Andrade from tying her up, slamming her, hitting her with hard power shots and the whole nine yards from picking her up and slamming her. And that's, that's what you have to do. You're not an explosive, you know, you're not an explosive knockout, you know, artist like a Zhang Wei Li. Zhang Wei Li has that explosive power where she can knock you out with one shot. You don't have that. You know, if, if, if Rose did, then by all means, but you don't have that. So what you're going to do is you're going to use your grappling to stay out of the clinch, keep her on the outside, high volume, constant movement. Don't settle down. Don't lock your feet. Don't do any of that because as we've seen in the past you know as we saw in their fight you know jessica andrade is gonna keep coming at you she's gonna keep pressing forward she's gonna keep charging at you she builds momentum over and over and over again as time goes on and that's what we saw in the fight you know people were saying rose was winning that fight I completely saw a completely different fight. I saw Rose Namajunas wearing down, you know, from the power, the slams, the pressure, you know, not being allowed to set, constantly exploding, no volume. You could see Rose was wearing down, and Jessica Andrade got closer and closer, closing in the distance, you know, getting close, tying her up more and more in the clinch, you know. I mean, she managed to survive the first round from getting slammed really on her head. But that second time around, <laughs> it was all, it, it was the exact opposite. So, for Rose Namajunas, the thing is, the thing is for Rose Namajunas, which is why I give her a slight edge, is because Rose Namajunas, you know, learns from her mistakes. You know, her fight with Carla Esparza, she learned from that fight, she got better. Her loss to Carolina, learned from that fight, got better. I'm pretty confident that Rose, having the time off, you know, leaving, you know, learning from the loss, learning from her mistakes, is going to come back better. She's not going to use her grappling to, she's not going to use her grappling offensively, she's going to use her grappling defensively to break the clinch, keep Jessica Andrade on the outside, high volume, no heavy heavy shots, no power shots, light on the feet, constant movement, high volume, just just keep it light. Don't don't worry about hitting her with anything solid. Just just touch her. All you have to do is touch her and score. Touch her and score. That's all you got to do. Um you know, um for Jessica Andrade, it's pretty much just go in there and be the bull. You know, Ro you know, Jessica Andrade She's got to be the bull. She's got to be the bull. She's got to just, like I said, put the pressure on Rose. Don't give her time to set. Don't give her time to relax. And just, just attack the body, attack the legs. You know, pressure, wear her down. Um, 
like I said, I give a slight edge to Rose, but one thing that one one thing, two things actually, that have really stood out, and like I've said before, in the past UFCs, the fighters that have been having the most success has been fighters who fight in mid range and close range. Reason for this is because you know the ring they've been fighting in a smaller ring now i don't know how small i don't know the size of the cage in abu dhabi i don't know what size they're using but in the past ufc's they've been fighting in a predominantly smaller cage and it's been favoring the fighters that fight in mid to close range you know jessica andrade is a fighter that fights well in mid to close range you know um she's a short stocky fighter another thing you know so a, a smaller cage can work to her benefit you know it, it can work to her benefit and really make it difficult for rose to create that distance and utilize the strategies of of negating that clinch because Jessica Andrade's going to be right there. She's going to be right there in her face all the way. Now, there's a way to get around it, but, you know, it. but, but I mean, it's easier said than done, especially if you've been preparing in a bigger cage than a smaller cage. So, um, another thing that I noticed is the body type of Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade is a shorter fighter, stocky fighter. She's not long. She's not tall. That was one of the things I noticed that in the fight, in the times when, you know, Rose would take her down or try to get something going, she seemed to have a difficulty with, you know, Jessica Andrade's body type. She had trouble keeping her on the ground. She had, you know, trouble utilizing takedowns. She had trouble really utilizing the clinch because Jessica Andrade being the shorter fighter had an advantage, you know, in leverage because she was able to get under Rose a lot easier due to her body type. And that's another key factor that unfortunately that I noticed in the fight with Rose that, you know, it, it gave Rose real particular problems. Now, is Rose training with those body types of, you know, short, stocky fighters? Possibly. But if she's training for a fight with Jessica Andrade against body types that are not like Jessica Andrade's, well, she's going to deal with the same problems that she dealt with again. So this is one of the reasons why, though I give Rose a slight edge, this fight is about even due to the environment and body type of Jessica Andrade. And unless Rose is preparing for a smaller cage, for a Jessica Andrade body type, you know, the odds are going to be iffy, you know, really, really iffy. So we'll see. Um, the next fight, the ne uh, let's see. Oh, yes, okay. So Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky. <sighs> yeah. The last fight, between Alexander Volkanovsky, um, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, um, in the first fight, um, which was a close fight, but it wasn't that close as everyone likes to believe, um, Alexander Volkanovsky 
fought the perfect game plan. Controlled, technical, don't get into a wild exchange, don't get in any type of crazy exchange, you know, high volume exchange, if you will, against, you know, Max Holloway, because Max Holloway shines best when the fight is high volume, the fight when it is a brawl, you know, either way, whether it's a high volume technical fight or a brawl, he shines best because he knows he could outwork you, he knows he can build up a rhythm, he knows he can keep the pace, Alexander Volkanovsky did a good job of keeping himself controlled, picking his shots, not, you know, staying within his range, you know, not overreacting to when Holloway tagged him with good shots, staying composed. Max Holloway, obviously, as we saw, in, as, you know, as I pointed out previously in his fight with, you know, as I pointed in the fights with Jessica Andrade and Rose, seemed to have problems with the body type of Alexander Volkanovsky because Alexander Volkanovsky was shorter, stocky, you know, he was, he, he had a low, he was lower, he had a lower center of gravity to the ground because of how short he was. It made it easier for him to get under and get on the inside, whether it was going for takedowns or going for strikes. That can be a problem for uh, for Max Holloway if this fight is in a smaller cage. Max Holloway likes to utilize a lot of footwork. He likes to stick and move, move around, switch stances. In a smaller cage, it makes it very hard to play that game. And that is going to be, and that is only if, you know, the fight is in a smaller cage. Now, if the fight isn't in a smaller cage and it's in the usual UFC cage, well then, you know, the only thing Max Holloway is going to have to deal with is the body type of Alexander Volkanovsky. He's only going to have to sit there and deal with the body type and figure out how to, you know, do damage while taking the least amount of damage. You know, in his last fight against Alexander, you can tell he had problems with that because, like I said, Alexander was a shorter, stockier guy. He, he was lower to the ground. He was able to get in the inside a lot, you know, a lot differently than you know you know Max Holloway's usual opponents who are usually about mid height or same height as him so that's kind of where he's at I mean if it's like I said if it's not in a smaller cage if it's in a bigger cage the only thing he has to worry about is the body type because the body type did give him problems the same way Jessica Andrade's body type gave Rose Namajunas problems but if it's in a smaller cage, as we've seen in the past UFCs, which might be, there might be some issues. There, there might be some issues, you know, there. And it may favor Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, more than it favors Max Holloway. It, it really depends. It, it really depends on the cage that we're going to see. Um... And how these fighters look, given the fact that they've, you know, they haven't had a real, like, full camp. Um, but yeah, so, it's a close fight. It could go either way. Um, but like I said before, the past UFCs, the environment has really played a key into all of these main cards, preliminaries, and main events. Um, 
So if anything, I would encourage you to, I would encourage anyone who's watching to really keep that in mind when watching these fights, you know, keep in mind that the environment is going to play a real big factor. Um, so <laughs> the main event, the main event that I am so excited for, uh, I'm I'm probably going to have to watch in the living room because I'm going to be screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, when I watch it. Uh, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. This is the fight that I've always said needed to happen. This is the fight that I claimed that if the UFC could, they would do everything in their power not to make it happen. Reason why, Masvidal is a dangerous fight. He is the guy. He is the boogeyman. Everybody says it's Kamara Usman. It's really Jorge Masvidal. You don't see people lining up to fight Jorge Masvidal. You'll see people willing to line up to fight Kamara Usman, but you don't really see people saying, hey, I want to fight Jorge, because Jorge is a dangerous fighter. Um, Jorge coming into this fight on six days' notice, I mean... I mean, it, it, the odds are not in his favor coming into this fight. They're really, really not. Um, you know, he's taking this fight on six days' notice. Um, I don't know how much training he's been doing. Um, I don't know how his cardio is going to be. You know, if Masvidal, if, if Masvidal is smart, he will pace himself you know, efficiently. He will manage his energy efficiently and will pace himself round by round. He will not try to go balls to the wall because if he can't finish Kamara Usman within the first two rounds, it's going to really suck, you know, in the next three, you know. So if anything, Masvidal is going to have to be really composed and patient. He's going to have to manage his energy efficiently if he wants to you know win this fight if he wants to you know if if he suspects that this fight might go to the later rounds you know um the thing with Kamaro Usman is Kamaro the thing the thing with Kamaro Usman is Kamaro Usman heavy wrestler Puts a lot of pressure and takes people down. Has good striking. Not great striking, but good striking. Um, if you're going up against grappler versus grappler, his striking is no doubt, you know, no doubt is the best striking out of all grappling. But if you put up against a striker, well, his striking isn't that very good. Um, one of the things, too, is... You know, despite winning the Colby Covington fight, he did get hit. He did get hit. He did get rocked, you know, a couple times. And, you know, was very smart. And, and the reason why he, you know, won it, the reason why he got out of those situations was because he toughed it out. He, he toughed it out. And, you know, Colby Covington doesn't really have that killer instinct to really go for the gusto the way, you know, a Jorge Masvidal is, you know. Colby Covington's a game is a tough fighter, but he's not a guy. He doesn't really have that killer instinct to really, you know, finish you when he knows you're done. You know, he doesn't really you know, and you know, the thing is Colby Covington's striking isn't at the level of Masvidal's as well. Um, the thing is is Masvidal striking is way better than Covington's. He has that killer instinct. And the thing is, is 
if you're gonna try to power, if Masvidal has you hurt, and you think you're just gonna power out of it, that is not a good move against a Jorge Masvidal. Powering out of a bad situation against Jorge Masvidal is only gonna make Jorge Masvidal hurt you even worse. I mean, case in point, you look at all of his fights, I mean, guys that he's fought from his wins and his losses, man, you don't see them saying they want to fight that guy again. You know, you didn't see Gilbert Melendez saying he wants to fight that guy again. I mean, Jorge Masvidal is a tough fight for anyone, even in his losses. You know, I mean, hasn't been finished in his career. He was only finished once. I mean, the guy, the guy's tough. So... The thing, the thing, that's something that Usman's going to have to deal with is the fact that, you know, powering through bad situations isn't going to be the most efficient way against Jorge Masvidal. He's going to have to be smart. Another thing, reason why I say that too is he's been preparing for a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter that is learning to strike. Pre preparing your striking for a grappler is not the same as preparing your striking for a, a striker. Like, not not the same thing. Usman, yes, he's been training with Cosmo Alexander, who's a very big-time, multiple-time Muay Thai champion. But you have to understand, he's been preparing his striking for the dealings of... Uh, of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. All of his wrestling, all of his striking is going to be geared toward fighting a grappler, someone who's learning to strike, just like he's learning to strike. You know, he isn't preparing his striking for the problems of somebody whose base is striking. It's just, it's not the same thing. And... You know, and a lot of people, what I've noticed is especially Jimmy Smith, the weasel, a lot of people seem to be overlooking that is they assume that because he's training with these the high level strikers that he's going to be able to handle Jorge Masvidal on the feet. But it's not the same preparing for a striker, preparing your striking for a grappler is not the same as preparing for someone who's a striker. It's just it's not the same thing. The timing, the speed, the forward, it's not the same. So, you know, if if Kamara Usman's smart, he's going to Use his striking to set up the takedowns and take it to the ground. He's not going to... Uh, that would be the smart thing to do. Don't try to prove a point. Just, you know, just shut up and win. You know, don't don't try to prove a point. Just shut up and win. That's all you got to do. But, um... You know, but you never know. Another thing, too, is... The thing with Jorge Masvidal that a lot of people overlook is Jorge Masvidal is one of those fighters he has the you know he has that ability to make in-fight adjustments there's a lot of fighters who can't adapt in the fight they can only adapt outside the fight Jorge Masvidal can adapt inside the fight he can make adjustments as the fight goes on his timing his rhythm the way he manipulates the rhythm he he, he makes those adjustments as the fight goes on you know we saw that even in his losses to Damian Maya and, and Wonderboy Thompson was he made the adjustments even though yes it was a little late it was late in the third round when pretty much <laughs> two rounds were already in the back for his opponent but we saw the adjustments that he made 
as well as the fact that he's got an underrated ground game. The guy is not easy to keep on the ground nor control. So it's just that's one of the things. The fact that Masvidal can make in-fight adjustments is going to be a problem for somebody like Kamaru Usman, you know, and that's something that people seem to overlooking is the in-fight adjustments he can make. The head movement of Jorge Masvidal is also something that a lot of people seem to overlook. Jorge Masvidal has some of the best head movement, if not the best head movement out of the U out of just MMA. I haven't seen anyone utilize the head movement that he uses. And because his head movement's so good, it's it's the reason why he never gets touched. So you have so it's like it, if like I said, if it comes down to it, if I'm Kamara Usman. I'm going to the ground. I'm going to utilize my wrestling as much as I can. I don't, I want to keep this, I, I don't want this guy to make any sort of adjustments. I don't want him to get comfortable. I want to try to make him uncomfortable. I want to just hold on to him, drag him down, wear on him, you know, hopefully get him tired enough to where I can, you know, put some effective ground and pound. You know, he hasn't, he's taking this fight on six days notice. So I want to take him down, wear him down, get him into those later rounds. I don't want him to make adjustments because if he makes adjustments well then good luck trying to take him down or wear him down or do any type of damage so you know that's the case with Kamaru Usman for Hori Masvidal it's pretty simple you got nothing to lose you took the fight on six days notice you got nothing to lose you could come out any way that you want and you know you have nothing to lose you have all the game and for Jorge all he has to do is just go out there and be game bred I mean if Jorge Masvidal is on his game, he is the best fighter in the world, no doubt. Whether it's at 155 or 170, he is one of the best fighters in the world when he is on his game. When he is not in the fights that he's lost, he was never on his game. Whenever he was not focused on fighting, whenever, whenever, in, whenever he was not focused on fighting, not focused on training, or, or really winning the fight for that matter, is in the times where he lost. You know, the Damian Maya fight, Wonder Boy fight, you know, you know, fights where he tapered off, you know, fights, same thing, you know, um, his fights with Alaquinta, you know, he, he tapered off, he kind of just, he was, he, he tapered off, he, you know, personally, I felt he won the fight, you'd have to be a fool not to think he won that fight, but the fault is his own, you know, he got comfortable, he, he tapered off instead of just finishing the fight, and, you know, he, you know, he left it in the hands of the judges, in the fights where he wasn't mentally, there is the fights that he's lost is the fights that he's lost the fights where he's gotten the fights where he allows himself to get comfortable and just kind of accept things and not really have motivation and really you know really bring out that that monster that game bread that we all know and everybody's that those of us have been following and I've, I've followed him forever you know you know that you know that we've seen and grown to love when he's not game bread he's not he's not anything you know he, he's not he's a journeyman but when he's game bread he's top five whether 155 or 170 for you know for Masvidal to win he's got to be on his game he's got to be game bred and be on his game you know Usman is a competitive fighter 
you know, really competitive. He's mentally tough. Physically, you know, he does slow down. He does get tired. There, you know, he does get tired. He does get hurt easily. He doesn't have the best head movement. His striking's good, but it's not that good. Um, but the reason why he gets through it is because he's so mentally tough. And so, you know, so competitive that he can just, he just, he refuses to go down. He refuses to, to lose. So you, you have to be, you, you have to be a vicious son of a bitch if you're going to take a guy like that out. And that's what Masvidal has to be. He's got to be that vicious son of a bitch that, you know, took out Ben Askren, beat the shit out of Nate Diaz, knocked out Darren Till, ripped freaking Cowboy. I mean, just dominated Ross Pearson. I mean. I mean, you know, you gotta be that guy that, you know, you, you've gotta be that, that vicious SOB that just, you know, that put Gilbert Melendez through five rounds of hell, decimated KJ Noons, you know, you have to be game bred, and that's what Masvidal has to be if he wants to win against Usman, for Usman, fuck trying to prove a point, okay, like, you know, I mean, Fuck whatever Masvidal says. Doesn't matter if Masvidal talks shit. I don't care. You know, whatever the hell it is. Fuck what Masvidal says. Fuck the hype. Fuck the media. Fuck what Dana White says. If he says your fight's boring, you're taking this fight. You're fighting a guy who has nothing to lose, who's taking this fight on six days' notice. That is a dangerous fight for you. That is more dangerous for you than than it is for him because you've been preparing for a jiu-jitsu guy you're not preparing for a striker who's an extremely violent fighter who's an extremely violent fighter who used to get into street fights okay you're <laughs> you're fighting a completely different animal you're gonna i would like i said you're you're gonna focus on winning don't focus on proving a point fuck proving a point go out there rack up the rounds win the decision if they say it's boring they say it's boring who the fuck cares you're the champ they have to take the title don't worry <laughs> you know if they don't like it they're they can they they're perfectly capable of stepping in the ring and doing something about it you know be a floyd mayweather fight for yourself don't fight for the fans that is what i would suggest i mean you know, that is what I would suggest, that's what I would, that, that's what I would tell you, you know, um, what do I see for this fight, if Usman wins, I see this fight going by, going by decision, um, decision, maybe a stoppage, I mean, that depends how much damage that Masvidal takes in this fight, and I don't think Masvidal really takes a lot of damage, he, 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 you know, he takes a good shot, he hasn't really taken a lot of damage in his career, I mean, the guy's got such great head movement and footwork, I mean, it, it's one of the best in the game, he hardly ever gets hit, so, and, and when he does get hit, he takes the shot so well because of how little damage he takes, you know, so, I mean, but, Usman has got some really gnarly power, and, you know, when he puts that power on you, it wears you down, you know, we saw that in the Covington fight, we saw that in the Tyron Woodley fight, you know, when he put that power on you, that power is just so just, it's so hard, it's just, it's hard to get through, and for Masvidal to win this fight, he's gotta be, like I said, he's gotta be smart, he has to be technical, he has to be, you know, violent, violent, you know, in a way where, 
you know, in a way where, you know, Usman can't get that power off, you know, he's got to, he has to use Usman's toughness against him, you know, if, if Masvidal wants to win, he has to use Usman's toughness against him, he has to make Usman power out of things so much that he wears himself down more and more, which makes him more likely to take damage, which makes him more likely to get caught, you know, Masvidal can't get into these clinch games, and as I said before, given the fight, the situation, you have two fighters, and, and as I said before, given the fight, you have two fighters that thrive off of mid to close range. Usman likes to fight in close range. Masvidal likes to fight at mid range. You know, this will be an interesting fight, especially if the fight, you know, if the fight is in a smaller cage, like we've seen in the past UFCs, it makes the fight even more even. It makes the fight that much more even because both guys like to fight in that mid to close range. They don't like fighting. They don't really fight at that long range. You know, Usman likes to get on the inside, use the clinch, batter you up. You know, uses wrestling, put you up against on the fence, wear on you. You know, use that strength and power. Where Masvidal, he likes to get in that mid range, rip you with the hand dig to the body, dig to the head, he likes to rip combinations, head movement, you know, he likes to slip these knees and, you know, these mid-range, these mid-low kicks that either hit your head or hit you right in the body, you know, it, it'll be an interesting fight, especially if, it'll be an interesting fight, especially if the environment plays to the style of both fighters, now if, now if the fight for some reason is in the normal is in the normal UFC cage, you know, like, you know, like how it was before, if it is, which I highly doubt, but if it is, well then, you know, whoever uses the range and distance of the cage effectively, you know, will have the advantage, but as far as it goes, but as far as it goes, this, I, I honestly, I don't think they're gonna, I don't think, I don't think, they're gonna do that. I think the cage, I think the, I think the cage that they're gonna use is the same size cage that they've been using in the last couple fights. A smaller cage that will cater to the mid-range and close fighters, close range fighters. And to me, that's just gonna make it that much more exciting because some people might think it's boring. It's gonna be boring if Usman, you know, if Usman gets the upper hand. Personally, I don't think it's gonna be like that. I think it's gonna be a very back and forth fight due to the fact that they're both within the range that they want to be the environment caters to their style they're both gonna you know Usman's Usman he wants to you know keep that title he's very competitive Masvidal he wants that title and he's you know he's a guy that you know he's got nothing to lose everything to gain so he's going he's gonna go balls to the wall it just it 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 makes sense, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the fight turned into a five-round war, I mean, I see this fight turning into a very, uh, I, I see this fight turning into a very grueling five-round war, where you'll see guys, where you'll see these guys going back and forth, hitting each other with good shots, solid shots, where, you know, both are gonna smile, laugh, talk shit, it, it's gonna be a very fun fight, you know, but, you know, like I said, you know, given the circumstances, circumstances of the environment, I mean, this, if, if this were the other way around, if one of these fighters 
were the type of fighters that like to fight at a distance, then absolutely I would give the edge to the opposite fighter. But that's not the case because Masvidal likes to fight at mid-range. Usman likes to fight at close range. You know, the last couple UFCs, as I said before, the cage, the... The, the 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 cage has catered the size of the cage has catered to fighters who have been fighting in mid to close range because they've been fighting in a smaller cage now maybe they'll be fighting in the normal size UFC cage I don't know but I like I said I don't I don't doubt that they won't I mean I don't know but I think it's very very unlikely and personally it's it's gonna make the I think it's gonna make the fight that much more exciting. I don't think this fight is gonna be a a one sided snooze fest, and I don't think this fight is gonna be a an early stoppage. I think that due to the fact of the style and the environment, this fight might be a five round more, and it might get fight of the night. So, um, you know, but yeah, I think people are really really under underestimating Jorge Masvidal in this fight. I think because of the fact that you know. <clears throat> They've, you know, the last title fight he was in was when he fought Gilmer Melendez for Strike Force, which he did very well, if you ask me, and a fight where I thought he won. Um, they say he didn't fight guys who do well against guys who took him to the ground, but he fought Benson Henderson, Damian Maya. Um, he, he's been taken down before in his career multiple times. He's done extremely well. Uh, oh, Pat Healy, who also, you know, took him down. Wrestler, grinding type wrestler, took him down, did very well. I mean, you know, he didn't show signs that he had problems with people on the ground. I've always said it's just Jorge Masvidal's mental game has always been the problem. And if Jorge Masvidal is there, if he's game-bred, you know, like he has been, well then, you know, Usman's going to have some problems. So it, it just, it's, it's an interesting fight because it can go either way, you know. Now, it can go either way. It can be boring. It can be an I told you so fight. It can be a shocking fight. Or it can be one of those fights where you just, where it doesn't go in either one either either one direction you know so um you know so very 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 you know very very interesting um uh, so yeah definitely this is gonna be a fight card that i think this is gonna be this is definitely in my opinion one of the best fight cards of the year um I see, I, hopefully, this will spark many great fight cards to come, um, definitely, uh, we'll be watching and see this fight, and maybe do a podcast during watching the fight, or maybe I'll do a breakdown immediately after, but most definitely, I will be tuning in, um, and thank you guys very much.